Welcome to Deepak Cast, a podcast series from the DeBartolo Performing Arts Center. My name is Ted Barron. I'm the executive director here at the DeBartolo Center. And for this series, Indie Film, we're taking a closer look at some of the major works from the history of American independent cinema. This week, we're going to take a closer look at the work of Kelly Reichardt and her film, Wendy and Lucy, which was released in 2008. So when we started this series, we were talking about films like Little Fugitive and Shadows, which were films that were made by filmmakers who were directly influenced by a movement known as Italian neorealism, which is a movement in which the Italian filmmakers in response to the events of World War II embraced more realist uh, formal techniques as a way to kind of get to um, some real uh, questions about social issues within Italy at the time, uh, both in terms of you know things that were caused by the war, but also kind of longer term concerns about um, economic insecurity. Um, these uh, films like uh, Little Fugitive and Shadows are sometimes referred to as uh, as American neorealism, along with some of the other films from the 1950s and 60s that we've talked about in previous episodes of this podcast. Uh, films like On the Bowery, The Exiles, uh, Nothing But a Man. Um, again, these are all films that are using more realist techniques to address uh, social social issues. Uh, interestingly, we don't see uh, – or while realism becomes uh, kind of a key element to consider in the history of American independent cinema, there are periods where it seems to kind of wane. Definitely in the 1980s and 1990s, you might still find some filmmakers who are using those kinds of techniques. But certainly the social critique seems to be uh, more muted uh, during those periods. Um, but it's in um, – it's it, it, at a point in which we transition to the new millennium. Um, and in particularly the events of uh, the first decade of the 21st century, that things start to shift. And in 2009, A.O. Scott, a uh, film critic for The New York Times, wrote a piece on this in which he reflected on what he was calling – what he refers to as neo-neorealism. Um, and if we try to uh, consider this in relation to the original Italian neorealist movement, which was – essentially a response to the conditions of World War II, the 2000s version is informed by multiple factors in terms of things that are going on um, specific to American society but also in the world at large. Of course, it's the years of – it's the, you know, the first decade uh, of events in response to uh, the 9-11 uh, attack and the eventual war on terror that comes out um, as a response or a seeming response to uh, 9-11. Uh, we have the uh, terrible infrastructure failure of Hurricane Katrina in 2005 and then the financial crisis of 2008, which actually has its origins you know, dating back pre uh, to the previous year with, um, with uh, you know, various um, – Companies going under, uh, in particular the um, the the bust of the um, uh, the mortgage industry uh, during that time, which then leads to uh, the banking and the failures within the banking industry. So all of these things are starting to place, even though they're sort of larger um, concerns within society, they're having a direct they're having direct impact on people in their in their daily lives. And some filmmakers started to. Um, shift, war shift their work to start to address these concerns more directly. One of those directors is Kelly Reichardt, um, who is who's kind of emerged somewhat late in her career as one of the more important um, 
figures to um, to kind of work in this vein. Uh, she made her first feature film in 1994, uh, the film River of Grass, which was shot in Florida. Uh, Kelly Roycard is originally from Florida um, and is done in a style that I wouldn't necessarily call it neo-noir, but it has – um, it certainly has more of a sort of uh, crime kind of caper element to it, although presented in a style that we might see as maybe comparable to films by Jim Jarmusch, a sort of very laid back, low key approach um, using devices like voiceover narration uh, to chronicle the events uh, in the lives of uh, two characters who who get involved in a uh, in kind of a scheme. Um, but in presenting the events of that film, uh, it seemed to be, it seemed to signal that Kelly Reichardt would actually go on to a fairly successful career as an independent filmmaker, but really the work stands out um, relative to kind of what was popular at the time in terms of 1990s independent film as relatively uncool. If we think about this in connection to what was popular at the time in the 1990s, mid-1990s. This is the sort of peak era of Miramax, uh, filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith, uh, you know, filmmakers who infuse a lot of humor into their work uh, very deliberately, but also have this kind of pastiche uh, referencing of other films and other, um, other moments in cinema. Um, you know, Kelly Reichardt's work, which and also wasn't was not as commercially successful. River of Grass is a film that uh, for many years was unavailable um, until it was picked up for uh, a, a re-release in um, in the last five years or so. Um, she is not she's not engaging um, with the same kinds of uh, questions, concerns, the whole this whole stylistic element of her work that doesn't that doesn't quite line up. Um, but probably what was more telling and which in the way she describes it is that the fact that she was a woman director in this period of these really cool guys who were getting a lot of attention um, kind of set her apart as something different and something that you know the industry didn't seem to know what to do with. Um, so she really um, she really focused uh, she shifted her focus on short filmmaking. Um, she even engaged with um, Super 8 films, uh, so she was making films in different uh, smaller gauge formats. Uh, but it took a while before she went back to feature film directing, and it wasn't until 2006 when she made the film Old Joy, uh, which was released, interestingly, uh, as the mumblecore movement, which we talked about in our last episode, was starting to gain steam. But uh, while that, while mumblecore has its kind of has its own uh, kind of style to it and its own um, kind of focus, uh, there's also she also kind of times this well in terms of connecting with other films that are shifting more toward um, realist representation. So Wendy and Lucy is a film that gets released um, in late 2008, um, coincidentally right around the same time as the. As the late uh, as the 2008 financial crisis, which leads to the Great Recession and great financial hardship within uh, within the U.S., uh, when Reichardt talks about it, obviously she couldn't have predicted those those conditions uh, to kind of coincide with the film's release. She does acknowledge that the film was uh, more of a response to 
uh, the conditions of Hurricane Katrina and sort of the myths of self-reliance. Uh, if we think about Hurricane Katrina as a failure of the U.S. government to provide resources to help people in this time of a catastrophic uh, disaster, um, one of the you know one of the responses to Katrina was to suggest that if people were more self-reliant, they would have been. Uh, better off, and Wendy and Lucy is very much a, a, a rejection of of those kinds of ideas. Um, so Wendy, the title character of the film, is played by Michelle Williams, uh, who uh, is a young woman who's driving across country from uh, what we learn to be her home in Indiana uh, to find work at a cannery in Alaska. Where the film takes us uh, in terms of her journey, it's not a road movie per se. Um, is at one of her stops along the way, which is uh, in a small town in Oregon, perhaps outside of Portland. It's never really specifically identified. Um, and what we find is, you know, when she makes this stop on her journey in Portland uh, or outside of Portland, um, it ends up longer than she planned. Um, the car that she's driving um, starts to have uh, uh, problems, which she has to figure out a way to pay for. Um, she uh, she is accompanied on her journey by the titular Lucy, uh, who is uh, who is her beloved dog, uh, played by uh, Kelly Reichardt's own dog, who is also featured in Old Joy. And as she and during this this uh, stop that she's made um, in in Oregon, uh, uh, she faces challenges when she loses the dog um, and has to kind of uh, search uh, search for Lucy. Um, and leads to some very difficult decisions um, in her life. It's a it's a very uh, minimalist film. It's a very concise film, just just over eighty minutes. Um, kind of gives us very much a a, a, a slice of these characters' lives uh, as we see uh, Luce, uh, Wendy's very limited interactions with the people in the town. Um, it's not a very big cast within the film, even though the film was shot on location. Um, and does you know kind of feature different encounters that she has, um, no, most notably with a, a, a sympathetic security guard uh, who works at a, a Walgreens parking lot where her car is initially parked. He's tasked with telling her to move the car out of the parking lot, but then um, starts to kind of try to offer assistance to her as she's uh, both trying to um, you know get the car uh, uh, operational again, and then and also. Um, uh, resolve issues related to to her dog, um, so it's a it's a very moving um, piece, but works in on a very small scale and using a very kind of a very kind of limited means of expression. Interestingly, the film was executive produced by Todd Haynes, um, who was a friend of Kelly Reichardt's and actually helped to produce several of her films. Uh, Todd Haynes, who we spoke about in an earlier episode, is the director of Poison, one of the key works of the new queer cinema. Um, the film also um, has some impact because of its uh, because of its distribution, and it's it's ultimately distributed by a company known as Oscilloscope Pictures, which was originally founded by Adam Yauch, uh, better known as MCA from the Beastie Boys. Um, as we kind of think about the industry for independent film, uh, the late two thousands, despite the fact that there's a lot of um, uh, you know there's a lot of financial uh, uncertainty, we do start to see some some indie companies emerging. This is post. Um, this is after Miramax has more or less kind of stopped being what it was as an independent 
uh, distributor. Uh, the Weinstein Company emerges as a result of that, which then faces its own uh, struggles uh, due to the, you know, the the problems of the leadership. Um, so we're starting to see some some newer um, companies uh, emerge. Sadly, Adam Yelch passed away a few years ago after a, a battle with cancer, uh, but Oscilloscope is still is still active today as a as a distributor of um, independent film, including the reissue of uh, River of Grass, uh, Kelly Reichardt's earlier film. Um, so uh, this kind of sets the stage for Kelly Reichardt. Wendy and Lucy gets attention, gets enough critical recognition. There's even talk of Michelle Williams getting an Oscar nomination in the wake of its release to you know, have a pretty steady career as a filmmaker whose work, um, whose work is getting produced and, and released, again, on a smaller scale, but, um, but enough so that, that um, audiences are able to find, uh, find out what she's doing. Uh, there are films like Meek's Cutoff, um, the later films like Night Moves, um, that that really established her uh, as someone with a, a, a very strong kind of independent voice. Most recently, her film First Cow um, gained a, a bit of attention um, as you know as probably one of the best films to come out um, in the year of the pan- in the first year of the pandemic. Um, but but being fairly consistent in in, in taking a very minimalist approach uh, to her films, but also films that are infused with uh, questions around social issues. In this, in the case of Wendy and Lucy, it's a film about a woman who is homeless, who's struggling to create a life for herself and her dog uh, meaningfully, um, that has a, a reasonable degree of economic um, security. Um, the, one of the hardest things to watch within the film is how tightly budgeted her trip is as she keeps referring to a, a journal that she keeps where she's logging all of her expenses and how she's, how she's going to try to find her way to, to Alaska where hopefully she's going to get that job that's going to help her uh, you know, pay for her own expenses, be able to feed her dog and then for the two of them to have you know, a, a fairly modest life together. Um, things don't quite go as planned. Um, Many critics have pointed out uh, the similarities between Wendy and Lucy and one of the key works of the neorealist movement, uh, Vittorio De Sica's Umberto D, uh, which is a film that centers on the title character, Umberto, who is a retired, uh, who's, who's a retired worker who's looking, who's hoping to receive pension payments that will help him have a degree of economic uh, security. And centering around his relationship with his own dog uh, that, um, that kind of provides the emotional center for the film uh, as, he's, you know, as he's struggling to, um, you know, to, to find circumstances where he and his dog can live peacefully together and in, in the case of that character, a later stage of his life. Um, it's uh, it's quite moving, and in fact, if we if we distinguish what Kelly Reichardt does, is she's she's although you know it's it's easy to be moved by scenes which involve this very cute dog. It's it's Reichardt's own dog. Um, she's she's very unsentimental about it, and um, kind of sets up a, a series of events that that push the film in a different direction. Um, the other thing just to note is, you know, as a movement that emerges when it does, um, it's Reichardt's work is sometimes linked together with the mumblecore movement. But I would say she's doing something quite different. Um, mumblecore films tended to be um, f- uh, kind of 
indie versions of, in a lot of cases, romantic comedies. I mean, they were films that often um, kind of centered on uh, characters who we might see as misfits, but really they seem to come from uh, places of privilege that uh, that weren't necessarily the concerns of certainly what what we see in a film like Wendy and Lucy, um, and uh, the you know although those films were similarly styled as you know very minimalist and kind of taking advantage of you know available resources whether it's location shooting or non professional actors. Um, the the work that Reichardt creates uh, with films like Old Joy and um, and Wendy and Lucy, along with uh, several of the other films which are which are mentioned in A.O. Scott's piece, uh, the neo neo realism. Uh, this would include directors like Raman Barani, who is making uh, films like Man Push Cart and Goodbye Solo, um, uh, Chop Shop, all films you know dealing with things from more of a working class perspective, if not, you know, a, a class perspective that also deals in some cases with a film like Man Push Card dealing with homelessness. Um, so Young Kim, who's who's a Korean American filmmaker uh, who uh, makes an, an incredible film in in 2006, In Between Days, um, about uh, a Korean woman uh, living in the U.S. and being very kind of disconnected uh, from from her uh, from her surroundings. Um, you could even throw in, you know, directors like Ryan Fleck and Anna Boden, who had a big hit with the film Half Nelson, thanks to the performance by um, Ryan Gosling, the lead performance, which was nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, but then smaller films like Se Chun's uh, Children of Invention, uh, which is about um, Chinese-American children living in Massachusetts in, 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 in a space of economic uncertainty. Um, but you could also uh, – but these filmmakers that you – know, and, and this is all kind of laid out within A.O. Scott's piece, which situates them historically in relation to the neorealist movement – um, are finding a way to use the means of independent film production to address um, real kind of social issues and to take that neorealism into the realm of social realism, which has its own trajectory within the history of cinema. If we look at movements out of uh, Great Britain and other other parts of the world, um, we see how you know using a realist lens to kind of emphasize and and draw attention to um, kind of social problems within the world that uh, it's, it, it raises questions about, you know, how film can really have a bigger social impact. And I would say probably the more recent um, example that kind of stems from all of this um, is the work of Chloe Zhao, whose, you know, whose own films um, kind of use a similar kind of style, but certainly uh, her film Nomadland, which is the film she's probably best known for, Academy Award winner for Best Picture, is a film that really becomes possible thanks to uh, the accomplishments of someone like uh, Kelly Reichardt. So, so that um, that's the that's my take on Wendy and Lucy. Um, we hope you join us next time as we continue our survey discussion, whatever we want to call this, of uh, American independent film. <laughs>